You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On NFL. We are going to continue our series today of looking at teams all around the league as we go through their host, Chris Clark from Locked On Chief Show, is going to join us and he'll have to say something artificial about my attitudes about that team. We're going to get into that. There is some news in the NFL, specifically about what the combine is going to look like in the future and how players are going to opt out. Welcome to Locked On NFL with Jake Liscomb. I'm Ryan Tracy, and this is going to be a lot of fun. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I, I always love it when there's news drops as we start recording, like we got today <laughs> from Tom Pelissero saying that apparently there is an opt-out option for players again this year as it relates to COVID. This is not something I really expected to come up. I was a little bit blindsided by this, but I suppose that's on me. Like this should have been something that we expected. And and I guess many people that are listening, maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, of course they were going to do that. But it has changed a little bit this year from last year where high risk players are again, according to Pelissero, entitled to a $350,000 stipend. Voluntary opt-outs, however, this year will not get any stipend money. So if you opt out on a voluntary basis, last year you got 150 grand. This year, you don't get anything in your contract, just doesn't toll a year. So I wonder if we'll see any voluntary opt-outs this year. Maybe maybe Cole Beasley would <laughs> like to be one of maybe. those players. But I, I really wonder how many people will see elect for one of these options this year. I'm going to be interested to see that too. And I think this feeds into what we talked about last week on the Thursday show. And if you guys missed that, go check out our conversation about the way the league is mandating nearly uh, the vaccine. I think that kind of ties in here. They're going to say that, hey, if you're not high risk and you don't have a medical necessity to opt out, we're going to make it that much harder by not giving you a stipend. And you're going to be you know, down at the Piggly Wiggly again. That's not something I think those guys want to look for. So I think it all feeds into the concept of they want everybody in. They want everybody as tight as possible uh, vaccinated so they can get back to business as usual for the league as soon as they can. I, I think that this is very much, as you said, Ryan, in line with those measures that a lot of players see as punitive. A lot of players not happy with the the deals the NFLPA is agreeing to that, like you said, have essentially made this vaccine a mandatory kind of deal. Either you get it or you're not going to get paid. Or if you do get paid, you're not going to have much fun. You can't go out with your teammates or you're going to get heavily heavily fine. So something that we'll watch. I, I really do wonder about Cole Beasley though. Like that is absolutely the first name that came into my head with the, the statements he made about like, look, if they want to take some money away from me, fine. And Hey Cole, you can literally put your money where your mouth is here. If, if this is that important to you. And, and if it is more power to you, but you are a 32 year old wide receiver that could see the end of the road in sight. If, if you just didn't want to play anymore, just don't play anymore. <laughs> And I do want to point out that you, you just made a really good point. More power to him. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to be that guy that that isn't understanding. If if people truly don't want to get this vaccine, that that is their choice. But we, we clearly see how the NFL feels about it. And the reason I joke about it a little bit is just because it was such a 
I mean, it was it was the the coverage of it was pretty funny and literally an option for him to to opt out if if he so chooses here. It's good to have options. We'll see what decision he makes. Uh, and maybe maybe he won't be on the roster. There will be plenty of people to take a spot uh, at that point. And those are going to be rookies. There's going to be some in the mix. And what we're going to see also is that there's going to be a change possibly in how we go about evaluating those rookies who might be in position to take some of those spots because the combine is now after the 2023 combine, which will be its 35th year in Indianapolis, they are going to open it for bids to move around the country. I find that very interesting. I have a hard time selling that maybe even more so than the Super Bowl to a team with an outdoor stadium, but at least it's, it's trying to move what is one of the marquee events in the NFL season that isn't about the the stuff that happens between the lines into a, a place that can spread spread the love around the country to a lot of the markets. I don't know if anyone is better at monetizing their product in the United States than the National Football League. Can can you think of I mean an entertainment based sport that I mean who watched the combine? Who cared about the combine even 5 years ago? <laughs> you go back 10 years ago even fewer, right? This has become a, a much more popular event with the increased coverage around the draft and the increased importance, it seems, that's been placed in the eyes of some people on some of these combine measurements. But you went from a two-day draft to a three-day draft and people still watch all of it. And now we're going to get the same treatment for the combine, which the NFL knows people watch because they've had it on their network in recent years. And I wonder how popular it'll be. You know, is it going to be draft light? I, I think it's got to be a step down from their other events, but leave it to the NFL to make these sorts of things exciting and marketable. Yeah, they do a good job of it. Um, the Kardashians come to mind, people that are famous just for being famous. Good this call. is something that was, uh, you know, this was how you made the sausage 20 years ago. This is stuff you had to do to evaluate the incoming class. Nobody needed to, to, you know, put it on television or anything. Now it's like, hey, we're doing this already. We might as well make it popular and monetizable. More power to them. There, there are a lot of smart people at the NFL front office. I just hope that some of the small market teams out there get opportunities to host some of these events. I, I we recently had the draft in Cleveland. I thought that's good for a relatively small market team, but you see a lot of these events go to the big markets, and so an opportunity to perhaps cycle through. And, and you're right, for the combine, you can't do it outside. So you can't go to Green Bay and do a combine in the winter. It's just, I mean, you're going to have guys pulling muscles left and right and cramping up and all the other things that come with the cold. But I, I do think that it's an opportunity to say, like, say you want to do a, a combine in one of the southern cities or, or a dome city, well, now you can do the draft at some other northern small market. It gives them more events to spread around to more NFL cities, which I know fans in those cities will really appreciate. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, Minnesota, you're going to be high on the list. You know, give yourselves an opportunity to get some of that national fanfare. And, you know, the Super Bowl is always going to be in a warm weather town, so you might as well enjoy it. Um, and enjoying it, the Super Bowl is a focus for one team that's coming up. We're going to get Chris Clark on here to talk about the Chiefs, so you all don't have to listen to me. We're going to get to that coming up next. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got baseball season in full swing. We've got the NBA playoffs getting closer and closer to that championship round. We've got 
Stanley Cup playoffs going on. UFC and MMA feels like it's always happening. And if you need to bet on any of those things, betonline.ag has you covered. Go check it out on your laptop or mobile device. See all their sign-up bonuses, all their current contest information. And right now, if you sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. So whether it's prop bets or playoffs that tickle your fancy, you get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. We're now joined by another Locked On Chiefs host, Chris Clark. We've got the Locked On Chiefs dream team, if you could call it that, here to talk about the Chiefs in 2021. Of course, the Chiefs lost the last Super Bowl. Much to the chagrin of Chris and Ryan and all the Chiefs fans listening to this that Ryan and Chris told to go listen to Locked on NFL on Thursday. So sorry. I really like your team, though. The the Kansas City Chiefs are a team that I really enjoy watching play football. I personally am a big fan of watching high quality quarterback play. And Andy Reid might be one of my favorite coaches in the league right now. Maybe maybe ever. He's certainly up there. But what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the 2021 Chiefs on offense and the 2021 Chiefs on defense. And that's how we're going to spend our time today. Chris, let's start with you. And I want to start with some hot takes from you guys. So I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. As as someone who covers the Bengals, there have been a lot of comparisons made to the Chiefs approach to the offensive line this offseason, to the Bengals, I guess, lack of approach. But we'll get there eventually. First, let's start with rookie surprises. So looking at what the Kansas City Chiefs did in the draft, Cornell Powell, fifth round from Clemson. I know there's some people that really like him. I want to get your guys' take there. Trey Smith, very late for him. Those health concerns really pushing him down for his athletic talent and his potential. Does he have a chance to crack the starting lineup? Sounds like Creed Humphrey has already cracked the starting lineup. And maybe there's somebody else. Maybe there's, I don't know who Noah Gray is. Maybe you can tell me who Noah Gray is. So tell me about those guys. So Powell, I think, is a guy that is going to be given a chance to play this year. Uh, I do think that he has a unique skill set that I think can fit in this offense. And uh, I do think he has an opportunity to step forward and and maybe get some playing time uh, late in the season. And maybe even early in the season, if he's able to show that he has chemistry and he can be where he's where he needs to be on offense. Uh, there is a hole where Sammy Watkins was, so who's going to replace that is the big question. Then you start talking about guys like Trey Smith. Thank you, NFL, for passing on him. I will be a little surprised maybe if he starts this year. I do think it's a possibility. I'm not going to say that I expect it, but I do think that he it's a possibility he could start this year. I do know that Kansas City really likes him. Uh, the question is, is how is he going to fit in this system? Uh, he's more of a road grader type offensive lineman. That's not really the way Kansas City's offensive line has worked in the past. So I wonder whether or not he's got to do a couple, make a couple of changes in his game and his technique. Uh, and then obviously you still have LDT and Chris Long, LDT and Kyle Long. I apologize in front of him right now. Uh, and yes, Kyle Long is injured. So you know we'll have to watch that situation and see what unfolds there. Then you start looking at Creed Humphrey, who looks like right now is going to be penciled in as the starting offensive lineman at the center position for Kansas City. Uh, I think that was a phenomenal pick. I think that's going to be a steal for years to come for Kansas City, and I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to enjoy 
having him do making all the protection calls and uh, taking care of things for this offensive line going forward. Uh, and then you mentioned a guy like Noah Gray. <clears throat> the thing that excites me about Noah Gray, and I hate saying it this way because uh, people will say that I'm trying to say he's Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to say that, but he's a lot like Travis Kelsey in his skill sets. Uh, he is a guy that is going to be you know lining up outside, I think. I don't see him being an inline tight end very much, uh, but it is possible that they're going to use him uh, a lot like they use Travis Kelsey, and that actually gives you the ability to have two split tight ends and do different things with them. Uh, that also gives you the ability to put Noah Gray in and give Travis Kelsey a little bit of a break, which he hasn't been able to have very often, uh, and maybe keep him fresh for the late part of the season. So I think there's a lot of options there. You talk a little bit about Trey Smith not necessarily being a scheme fit. And a lot of people looked at their Orlando Brown acquisition by the Chiefs and had some of those same questions. Let's talk about this offensive line. Totally overhauled, right? You got new tackles with Eric Fisher and Schwartz on the outs because of injury or other reasons. LDT returns from his COVID sojourn to Canada where he did his medical duties to the country I live in, actually, by the way. Kyle Long comes in and gets hurt. Unfortunate for him. I guess one question about that is what's his prognosis? And then obviously Joe Tooney, the big money there. So let's talk about scheme changes. Andy Reid generally pretty well known for matching scheme to personnel and doing a really good job of that. Is that something that we're going to see some changes to the way they like to run the ball this year? with Orlando Brown and potentially Trey Smith, or are we going to try to adapt how Orlando Brown plays with this offensive line in this scheme? I think you could see scheme changes. I think you, I don't know that they're going to really change completely the scheme that they use in the offensive line, but I think you're going to see Andy Reid and Andy Heck try to put their offensive linemen in the best positions that they can be in to do what they're best at. Uh, And with that, I think that you're going to be looking at a situation where I still think Kansas City is going to be throwing the ball 70% of the time, uh, probably, much to Ryan's chagrin. Uh, But when you have Patrick Mahomes, who's the best player in the world, uh, I think that's what you do. I don't think you take the ball out of his hands unless you absolutely have to, uh, you know, late in the game trying to run the clock out. Um, So I think that they could change the scheme a little bit to help some of those guys. Uh, Orlando Brown's not Eric Fisher, and what I mean by that is Orlando Brown is a very good left tackle but he's not as athletic as Fisher was. That's going to cause issues when you're trying to do things where you're pulling your, your tackle or you're trying to have your tackle run downfield and try to make big blocks in the running game. Uh, we saw Fisher do that multiple times last year. That's not going to be Orlando Brown. I mean, I'm not going to say he's not going to run downfield and try to do some of that, but he's not going to move anywhere near like what Fisher was. So you're going to have to realize that there are just some things you're not going to be able to do anymore Uh, and you're probably not going to be hitting bigger runs uh, near as much anymore unless you're doing more cutbacks and and using that to get get open space as opposed to having your linemen downfield. Is that why there's 15 wide receivers on this roster right now (laughs) and all of your running backs in Kansas City are guys that might be better catching the ball than just taking a handoff? I would disagree with the Darrell Williams exception Um, okay there's there's an exception fair enough yep no i i understand what you're saying though i do think that that's a a big reason that they have somewhat wide receivers is i think that they're going to start using that even more this year than they have in the past when you look at the past you had 
you know, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, McCall Hardman, you had those guys. You don't have Watkins back this year, but you still have Hardman and Hill, so you still have a ton of speed. Now you have a guy like Callaway, whether if he makes this roster, that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, player that Reed, I'm sure, is going to scheme into the offense at some point. I don't think he's going to be a big part of the offense, but he could be. He's definitely going to be used on special teams, so that's going to play a role in it uh, if he makes the roster. Uh, Brian Pink, Byron Pringle is going to be a guy that could be a starter to start the year uh, at that number two wide receiver position, uh, and that's a that could be a huge role for him if he's able to get in front of Demarcus Robinson. All right, Ryan, we haven't talked about the quarterback very much, the best player in the world, according to Chris Clark. There might be some out there that disagree. There might not be Patrick Mahomes. What else are we missing here when we talk about this Chiefs offense? I feel like some of the bigger storylines are how the offensive line bounces back. Do they have the receivers, the the right weapons? I mean, obviously, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, very, very good premier players. Is the depth good enough? But what are we missing? What am I missing here when I'm talking about the Kansas City offense? Just the other side of the long going argument that we have on the Locked On Chief show about you don't just have to throw the ball because you have Patrick Mahomes. Let's yes, you st- do. Let's support the kid a little bit. Run the ball. Let's take a little bit off of his gargantuan shoulders and not put it all on him. I think the lesson learned from the Super Bowl in this last season is going to carry forward. I think you're seeing not only Patrick, but Andy Reid speak about that a little bit. And uh, as much as no one wants me to be right. I think there will be more running in the Chiefs' future in this season. You mean we're not going to see Patrick Mahomes throw the ball on a dime parallel to the earth again? Hopefully never, ever again. <laughs> if, it, if it works out. <laughs> that would be the best case. But that is really fun to watch, too. So, I mean, you know, sides of the scale there to consider, I think. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. I think that nobody's too worried about the Kansas City offense there are some questions certainly about the offensive line overhaul, but maybe more questions on the defensive side of the ball, especially with the recent Frank Clark news. We'll get into the defense coming up next. If you've ever listened to a locked on football podcast before, you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors. They occasionally have a delicious limited time flavor as well. But if you don't know what those flavors are, you're missing out on coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate and salted caramel, fantastic flavors, all of them covered in 100% real chocolate. And not only do they taste great, they're also good for you. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and just four grams of sugar. Some of the flavors are a little bit heavier, 18 grams of protein on 180 calories with five grams of sugar, but they all taste great and they're all good for you. Get that extra protein in your life right now from BuiltBar.com. You can use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we're talking Kansas City Chiefs today on the Locked On NFL podcast, looking ahead as they try to run it back. Well, not run it back with the same team the way Tampa did, but get back to the Super Bowl anyway. And the defense, I think, in my opinion, as I said before, the break has more questions going around it than maybe the offensive side of the ball does. And first, let's just start with that basic argument. Is that a true statement for someone like me, an outsider that doesn't cover the team every day? Or do you think that as people that do cover the team every day, 
it's equal or perhaps there are more questions on offense? I think there's definitely more questions on defense. I think that it's, uh, I personally think that the offensive line is going to gel. I think it might take time. It's not going to be, it may not be pretty week one, week two, but I think that they've got Pro Bowl players uh, at two positions for sure at left guard and left tackle. Um, so you're going to be good in that regard. And then the question is, is who's going to be, you know, we know who the center is going to be. I don't think he'll make the Pro Bowl the first year, but I do think he has an opportunity to make the Pro Bowl eventually in his career, especially blocking for Patrick Mahomes. So I think the offensive line will be fine. Uh, the question I'm going to have when you start getting into the defense is Kansas City has struggled for years to stop the run. Uh, and obviously this is more and more a passing league, and I get that, and that's great. Uh, I love it. I I personally don't think that they need to be running the ball near as much as Ryan does, uh, but that's you know neither here nor there. Uh, he, he very well knows that he's wrong about the fact that the Chiefs need to run the ball. Um, but regardless, my point is, is that you're sitting here in a situation where you have a questionable deal right now with Frank Clark. Is he going to be able to play? Is he going to be able to play the full season? If he can, great. If he can't, that's going to be a big question mark at the pass rush. But it's also going to hurt your run defense because he is one of the better run defenders in the league. He will set the edge very well, and they won't run at him. If you're going to have Chris Jones on the other end, they're going to be running to him. Uh, and really, your defensive tackles, uh, Derek Naughty is very good in the middle. Uh, Jerron Reed is good as well. But you just, you're going to have question marks about stopping the run. But the bigger question becomes not necessarily the defensive line, but how are the linebackers going to fill? Willie Gay is going to get a chance to start this year. And also, Anthony Hitchens is going to be a starter. You would think that rookie Nick Bolton will get on the field. But if those linebackers aren't able to take a step forward and help in the running game, that's really going to hurt this Chiefs defense. And they could be run on a lot, which will take the ball out of their offense's hands. You have to think that teams around the NFL look at that and say, that's exactly what my game plan is. I'm going to shorten the game. I'm going to take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. I don't know if that'll work because when you have a team that can score in 10 seconds and you're trying right. to run the ball the whole game, you could very quickly find yourself trailing if, if you don't run the ball well. But when I look at this defensive line, I see Taco Charlton. I see Jerron Reed, not Derek Nadi, and Chris Jones, some good players there. Any hope for Kalen Saunders this year to take a big step forward? That was a guy that I'd liked coming out in 2019, a third round pick. Is is there any hope that he can help to fill some of the hole if Frank Clark misses time or Josh Kando bringing that athleticism up? Or, or are you hoping for anything from those guys? Or is it kind of lack of depth as an issue with the defensive line? You know, I think you're looking at a little bit of a lack of depth in, in some regards. I think, you know, Colin Saunders, I think I do like him. I think he could be a good player. Uh, he really wasn't able to get back on the field last year because it's Sean Morton. Uh, and so you have to wonder, is he going to be on the roster? Is he going to be somebody that can contribute this year? I think he has the ability, but he's got to be consistent. And he just wasn't last year, uh, especially after his injury. So, I think he could step in. I think he could help. But the other question is, is okay, so if you, if you do have Frank Clark, if you do have Chris Jones, then you're starting to look at your defensive ends and go, okay, well, where you know who's going to be the next guys off the bench? Taco Charlton's going to be that guy. Kando could be that guy. Uh, you know, But how are you going to be able to get that rotation and be able to keep enough uh, of your players healthy and um, having energy at the end of the game because you just don't have the depth that you would really like. I would like, you know, and Ryan and I talked about this on the podcast, I'd like him to go out and maybe consider signing a guy like Alex Okafor to 
a, a small deal. He's been here. He knows the defense. He could step in and be a spot starter if need be. What's the money situation like in Kansas City with, uh, you know, Jarrell Casey, Geno Atkins as some defensive tackles out there, those guys that you think could could contribute or, or would be valuable additions? Or do you think, you know, maybe not the way Kansas City wants to use this money, maybe they're too old or maybe they're not a fit? I think you could use them. I think the bigger problem that you're running into is you have the salary cap issue. I think they're about $7 million in cap space right now that's expected to expand because the expectation is that Tyron Matthew is going to get a new deal before training camp, which will open up more cap space for Kansas city because his number right now is I think around 18 million. Uh, and that will go significantly down. So I would think that they're going to be able to have cap space to do something like that. But at the same time, you know, are those going to be players? Those players are still sitting out there in almost July at this point. So you have to wonder, is it, are, are they going to be somebody that can actually step in and play this year in the NFL? No other team has really given them a chance. And generally that's not a good sign going into the season. Now you can find some diamonds in the rough and those guys that you named have big names, but are they going to be able to contribute and be worth the money that you would pay them to, to contribute? You kind of wonder what it's going to look like for those guys, right? Sheldon Richardson just signed a $4 million one year deal and there are certainly injury questions for, for Gino coming off his shoulder issue that he tried to play through last year in Cincinnati and general age issues with defensive tackles. You see them just fall off a cliff sometimes. And yep. it's hard to know if that's what's happened here or, or if it is just blips and otherwise productive careers. You've mentioned that you believe the, the run defense is the primary issue or, or the thing you're concerned about the most with this front seven. When I look at the back half of this Kansas City defense. I'm looking at a lot of names that I don't know all that well. Tyron Matthew, of course, everybody knows. I'm familiar with Juan Thornhill because I loved him coming out a couple of years ago. But when I look at the secondary and I look at the pass rush with or without Frank Clark, really, either way, are, are there thoughts that the secondary will be up to snuff? Maybe Ryan, you can speak to this. Do you think that run defenses is more concerning than pass defense for this unit right now? I think it is right now the way that they want to stack their team. And I'm with you on Juan Thornhill, a big fan of him coming out. His rookie season was cut short in the last game of the season with an injury. He didn't quite bounce all the way, but they are looking to help him come along. They took it easy on him on OTAs in terms of total reps and participation. Worked a lot with the coordinator. He and Steve Spagnuolo had a lot of conversation in order to try to help Tyron Matthew take that next step forward and be even more of a playmaker. I think that does set up the fact that they are stronger at safety right now than they are at corner. A lot of young talent in that corner room, and they're regarding uh, Traverius Ward, of all people, to be like the veteran in the room they did not bring back Bashad Breeland he ended up going to Minnesota and I think that does put them in a position where the safeties as a DB group are the strength is is the idea for this team gonna be we can just score more points than you it seems like a theme right um they are not concerned about run defense they've gotten lighter at the linebacker level they want to play coverage they want to slow down and not necessarily stop other offenses and let Patrick be Patrick and drive that thing for as many points as they can possibly score. I will not be surprised if they average 30-plus. 
Chris and Ryan, I want to give you guys one last opportunity here on the defensive side of the ball or special teams. I don't know if there's a special teams note that's particularly worth talking about, but what are the the key points on, on this side of the ball that I haven't brought up or that you think are important for people outside of the daily Kansas City Chiefs followership to know about this year? Well, I, I will just say that if you don't know the name Legereus Sneed now, you will know by the end of the season, I believe. I think he's going to take a huge step forward this year. He played phenomenally last year, and he got hurt. Uh, and I still think he played very well when he came back. Uh, I think he's going to take another step forward this year, and that is Ryan's boy. So I will defer to him on, on that a little bit. But what I also will say is that the secondary is extremely young. And the big questions that Ryan and I have on the Chief Show is, you know, how is that going to play into things? Shaverius Ward is, like Ryan said, the elder statesman at this point. I think he's 25. Uh, and then you have, you know, Jerry Sneed. You have Rashad Fenton, who I actually think might be older than Ward, but Ward's been playing in the league longer. And then you're sitting here looking at, you know, DeAndre Baker, who was a first-round pick by the New York Giants several years ago, coming back from a broken leg, and he will be in the in the rotation as well. Where is he going to play? How is he going to play? Uh, you know, and then you have last year's rookie, uh, you know, the other one in keys, how's that going to work out? And they have some undrafted guys. So I think that the CBs are going to be very interesting to watch this year. And you have to remember Kansas city also runs a ton of three safety sets. So Daniel Sorensen is going to get a lot of playing time as well. Are we going to see the highest over unders in the league this year on Kansas city chiefs games? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, potentially, I would say, be, just because of the offense, I would say that that's a possibility. The big thing for me is if Frank Clark's not available, then that really is going to put pressure on the defense. And I don't know that they have the ability to step up and and keep the offense from scoring 25, 30 points. And then, so, yeah, you could see over-unders that are getting close to you know 60 points, which is absurd at this point. Modern NFL football. Thanks for coming on and talking with us, Chris. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NFL podcast. Chris Carter and Q have you covered tomorrow. They'll be previewing the Raiders, which, of course, is a team that Q covers every day. Until next Thursday, when we'll be joined by Julian from Locked On Panthers. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.